podcast world. This is Caribbean Power Lunch, where we feature Black-owned businesses. I am your host, Kevin Valley, and I am here in Barbados with Miss Tony Thorne. How are you, Kevin? I am great, Tony. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Can't complain. So, Tony, what's the entrepreneurship environment like in Barbados? Because I drive around, I come from the airport, I come to here in St. James, and I see all these big businesses, these huge banks. It's like, it's really like a little England. You find so? I really find so. What's like, the difference to you between Trinidad and Barbados when you drive from the airport? Aside from the potholes in Trinidad? <laughs> we got potholes too. <laughs> You know, I, I feel like the buildings here, they look so much grander and stuff. The people seem so much, it seems so much more into the corporate life, mm -hmm. into the world of work and stuff. Like, I don't really see that much of an entrepreneurial hustle aside from maybe like some shops here and there and stuff. Really? I'm happy to hear that you think that. So I just want to get your take. I think on a whole, entrepreneurship is a real buzzword. Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur, even if they they are not destined to be one or they might not have the quote unquote qualities to be an entrepreneur. Everyone is enamored with the whole concept of entrepreneurship, which is a good thing and a bad thing because you need people to be able to work for themselves and have a certain level of financial independence, especially now, well, we're, we, I'm going to talk about Barbados, especially now where we are restructuring a lot of our government agencies the civil force has the civil service sorry has traditionally been extremely big and um is important for persons to work for themselves and to to find a a, a revenue stream that's not dependent on them getting a salary from let's say government so it's good that we're able to foster the spirit of entrepreneurship but the downside of it is that people think that it's all glitz and glamour and they don't understand, well, not all, but some people just don't understand that you have to work. So as you might see people on, let's say, Instagram and posting about, you know, these are the rewards of my hard work. But you don't know, <laughs> you don't know, like when they're up at night or when, you know, the bank is calling them for money that they may owe. So it's a good and it's, it's, it has its ups and it has its downs. But people on a whole, not only in Barbados, I think people are enamored with the whole buzz of entrepreneurship. So you speak about, you know, there's a lot of restructuring and stuff and in terms of the government and there's a lot of government support for entrepreneurship. Here. I don't plan to speak on, on behalf of the government. Though. No, of not course politician. not. I, mean, uh, I know your dad is a politician. Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, my dad was also a politician. I know, I know, oh, I know, I know. But I know you guys have the BIDC, I think it mm -hmm. is, the Barbados. I was thing. there yesterday, actually, yeah. Barbados Investment Development Corporation. Right. So tell me about that climate in terms of, okay, so you have all these restructures and stuff, and on the other side, yeah, fostering entrepreneurship. So what's the real overall move? What's really happening? I think, um, so BIDC is a government entity. Mm -hmm. It's a statutory corporation. And I, I know for a fact that they are, their mandate is to, is to foster and to help entrepreneurs to take their businesses, sorry to use this cliche, to the next level. Use it. So whether it is assistance in terms of getting more or better equipment, marketing, doing trade, trade missions, all of the above they do and they facilitate. 
I would have first interacted with BIDC when I when I wanted to start my my well, it's kind of my second business because my first business I started at seven, so my second business, which was a clothing line, I wanted to start it. I asked my parents to lend me the money. They said no. Then I saw BIDC had a competition for business outline. I entered it. I didn't win the overall prize, which is kind of like the story of my life. But I won $500 and I used that to start my clothing line. And in two weeks, I was in Jamaica. I was in the London Times. I was supplying clothing that really and truly was my own brand in different parts of the Caribbean and mailing off clothing to girls my age who were in pageants or who wanted something different to wear. So I've interacted with Bay DC now for about 13 years and it has been a, a wonderful partner in a lot of my a lot of my ventures, especially my latest one, which would be my shoe line. Right, sweetheart sandals. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Does B I D C actually give you like the financing and stuff, or is it more of like an incubator? Um, they do give financing to persons. I have a fin- access financing from them. I have not. Okay. Um, I went on a trade mission. I actually did a course, an export course that that they did. So. In a way, that's accessing financing because I did the course. And obviously, they pay for persons to do the course. But I think you mean in terms of if I access like a grant or yeah, I money. No, I haven't done that. No, no. I tend to bootstrap a lot of my businesses, which is also a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. Right. Um. So, yeah. No, but bootstrap is the way to go. Yeah. So, you said you started at seven and you're now in your early 30s. Mm-hmm. Would you? 31 to be exact. Well, I didn't I want to reveal the age. I knew age. I didn't <laughs> want to reveal the age, Tony. I'm not out here trying I to expose you. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind. I don't mind. So, would you consider yourself a serial entrepreneur? Look, Kevin, I just out here hustling <laughs> in these streets. <laughs> um, No, I, I want to say. like these terms make me really uncomfortable and that's probably like an insecurity that I have to that I have to deal with so terms like serial entrepreneur or I hear people saying like oh celebrity and I'm like there's no celebrity in Barbados but I am just trying that's all I could say I'm just trying I know what my goals are I know the the things that I want to create and I try to create them and if, if I can't create them I try to surround myself with people that can assist me in creating them that might be better than me at creating them and if I create them I try to I try my best I try to put my best foot forward and that is what I really do to me, serial entrepreneur, when you say serial entrepreneur, I think because I, I like to think big, I think somebody like Jeff Bezos or even Richard Branson, I think of those people. But where I stand, I am just trying and trying my best. How do you go ahead and get started though? Because you started a, a number of businesses, yeah. right? So you say you do a lot of bootstrapping and mm-hmm. stuff. But in terms of actually... I don't know, getting started, like getting the capital, getting the ideas. Like what's the mm-hmm. idea generation phase like? Um, I think I'm a self-starter. Like if I say this is what I want to do, I'm going to do it. And I will find a way to get it done. I recently heard this quote. If somebody tells you, no, you're talking to the wrong person, I wholeheartedly believe in that. If somebody tells you, no, no you're talking to the wrong person. So I'll give you an example with my show. I had no previous experience with television hosting nothing i wanted to do a television show i wanted to do something that was different i wanted to do something that would discuss things change the national consciousness and really make certain people uncomfortable because 
you're talking about things that people may have conversations at their kitchen table. What do you want to make uncomfortable, Tony? Um, the establishment persons that don't want certain things addressed or and i'm not talking about like government or politicians but you know you can have a little old lady that's a part of the establishment the status quo so i wanted to have real conversations conversations that people have at their kitchen tables or with their friends laymen that people would never have thought you know you could put on a national station or package it in a television show and say these are things that we we want to discuss because it's hypocritical of us to sit down in our homes with with beer or with mobby and discuss these things but then you can't discuss them on television i just thought it was really hypocritical that's what i wanted to do and i did like focus groups with my friends i also just packaged it i got with persons i know israel mallet who does like all of my graphics and my branding. I asked around for a videographer. I asked around for an editor and I just did it. People were like, oh, how you got that done? And people thought, oh, you know, this body gave her money to start this. Things are easier than we think. Once you decide that you're going to do something, the hardest thing is to start. Even in the shoes, I had no idea about shoes. I had no idea about sandals. No, a year later, if you tell me, Tony, make a pair of sandals here, no, on this video, I could do that. You know, because I wanted to have my own clothing line. And when I, not clothing line, shoe line. And when I started out with the shoe line, I couldn't make shoes. But unfortunate circumstances force you into things. So when I started the shoe line, I actually had like some people making the shoes for me. And it's interesting because there's another lady that has a sandal line in the Caribbean. And I was watching like some videos on her. And her story ended up being very similar to the story that I ended up having. Because there are a lot of, sorry to say Kevin, but there are a lot of men that feel very uncomfortable working for women. And that has its own dynamics. And then you have the dynamics of People might say, you know, well, she don't know anything about shoes, but I know about shoes. So why am I helping her build a business when I could be building my own? And that's another thing that I find. You, you said that this is about black businesses, this podcast. Yes. And I find that I thought it was an island thing. It might be a black people thing. I have no idea. But people tend to want to own zero percent of nothing than to own five percent of something. Ooh, right. <laughs> and so as a result of all of those dynamics that I spoke about, I decided, listen, nobody is going to hold me to ransom in any of my businesses. And it's very important that if you have a business, you should know your business inside out. And when you don't know your business inside out, you're opening up yourself to a lot of vulnerabilities. And I went and I learned how to make shoes. Not saying that because it's not sustainable for me to make every pair of shoes, but nobody can pull wool over my eye and call it the S word that you told me that I can't say on this podcast. <laughs> you can say the S word. Okay. Just not the nobody can pull wool over my eye, feed me shit and call it cake. So unfortunate circumstances lead you to fortunate circumstances. I, I wholeheartedly believe in that as well. You know, it's funny you mentioned the black businesses thing. I mean, yeah, I say it in the intro all the time, but I don't think in any of my interviews, and this would be the 30th interview I'm ever doing, you're going to be episode 30, Tony. <laughs> and we have never really discussed the black business. I don't want to say dilemma. The, black, the whole idea of black business. And I saw you wrote an article about black hypocrisy and everything. I know you're a big advocate for it. Listen to me. So... In addition to that, I had the opportunity, like the great privilege of sitting in on a class at Harvard University. It's called Black Entrepreneurship. I think it started this term. 
and I was able to sit in on one of the first classes of that course. Kevin, this thing was amazing. I mean, I sat in for about, for about, the class was three hours and it's a real thing. First of all, the experiences of being black, totally different. The experience is just being a, of just being a black person. Black person where? Just in life? Anywhere. Anywhere, anywhere. Right? Anywhere. Because it might be different. I even realize just there's intricate differences from being black in Trinidad and from being black in St. Saint, Louis Saint or Jamaica or Barbados. It's still a different experience. I cannot say what the black experience is in Trinidad, but I could tell you what the black experience is, is in Barbados. Barbados is predominantly a black country, right. but... Because of our colonial past, there are many instances where black people are treated like minorities. Really? Yeah. I don't particularly want to go too much into it because then people from Barbados can curse me. <laughs> I protect you. Go into it. Go into it. Because it's, um, it's funny, right? Cause you okay. Have- so so b- even before I wrote the Black Hypocrisy column, I wrote a column and it got a lot of response basically about the black experience in Barbados and how you know even though we're a predominantly black country racism still exists so people come to Barbados or people assume oh you know it's it's a predominantly black country so racism against black people doesn't exist because how could it exist when you know it's 90 something percent black but when you look at the upper echelons of society the upper class, the upper financial class is not 90% black. So then those people have power, whether it is, you know, financial power, of course, but as a result of that, there isn't cohesion. I could go on about this for hours, but I know this is about entrepreneurship. I made that point to say that. about black entrepreneurship, too. We could do this. The experience of being black is different. It is different. And when I sat in on the class, it was about the black business experience in America, one of the studies that they looked at was black people going to get loans from banks in America. There was a stark difference. And the thing is, is that the study was done by, quote unquote, one of the whitest universities in the States. They did a study and you could see the stark difference with when a white person went to get a loan certain guidelines you know okay well you don't have to we're not going to ask you where your wife works okay you didn't fill out that party form okay well when you come back and get your loan approved we'll just deal with that but when the black persons went and this is a real study this is not me bsing or anything like that when the black persons went it was you know where does your wife work every single thing they had to do they had to fill out every single form which is not you know that's the rule but they weren't given any slack at all and in many instances even though they qualified they were not given the loans and this is a real study there's a real study that happened so i say that to say that you know it is is a different experience and even in business is a different experience and if I went horse riding, horseback riding on Thursday and the instructor, this rasta gentleman, I can't remember his name, but he said, you know, we as black people, we could blame the man for everything. But at some point in time, we have to get out and realize, look, this on me. And I feel that even though the black experience is different, the black business experience might be different. At some point in time, we can be blaming the man and the establishment and classism and this and that. These things exist, but the winners in life are those who've pushed through 
and have not allowed these things to be a daunting task. The winners in life are the people that say, listen, this on me. These things exist, but this is on me. I got to go and get what I want. And the story that he said to me, I mean, this, this is a guy, he does horseback riding in St. John in Barbados. And he said, you know, I was on the block and everybody else was selling weed. And Tony, I was saying to myself, well, if I do the same thing that everybody else does, I'm not going to quote unquote win in life. And then he said, you know, um, he got up and he started selling idol. And the guys on the block were laughing at, at him. He said, Tony, in a month, I had a bicycle. In three months, I had a motorcycle. He said, in a year, I had a house. Whoa. So those are stories where of people, black business people who said, listen, this on me. I like to hear stories like that. And I always like to encourage persons, young people, young black people, especially. And people get offended when you single out young black people. But it's important because let's not be fooled here. We black people have been suppressed for more than 300 years due to slavery. So we automatically we start at a disadvantage. You know, we start at a disadvantage. Um my white friends have a certain level of socialization that a lot of my of my black friends are now getting and the upbringing is different you know parents probably have their own businesses and and the parents would say okay well if you want to start a business go ahead if you want go and do a lemonade stand go and do that whereas black parents were a little bit more conservative go to school try and get a proper degree go and work and get a mortgage and that kind of thing black parents traditionally would because of our history would not encourage things like entrepreneurship i think entrepreneurship now is more acceptable because people are realizing you can make money, you can be financially independent. But 15 years ago, you say, I want to be a tech entrepreneur. Your parents won't put you over a chair and beat you and say, listen, get <laughs> with it, is, be a doctor or a lawyer, you know? The thing is, even now, 90-some percent of entrepreneurs fail. Yeah. You know, many of them yeah. are still in their but parents' everything, basement. Even, still- even me, like everything I've done hasn't been successful. Very few of the things that you step out to do, they're not going to be successful, Kevin. Is, um, But that's all part of it. I love it. I love business. You asked me before the podcast if I would ever pursue law. I can't see myself. And you have a law degree, right? I did law at um, University of London External. Didn't go to Hewitton. I have the utmost love and respect for lawyers, but you have to know what your path is in life. And that is not my path. Yeah. I love business. I really like it. I could sit in a class for three hours and just be in awe at, you know, how people create something from nothing. And I really like that. I really like like the whole creation of businesses, um, how people restructure businesses, um, mergers, acquisitions. I, I just like it. I, I really like sexy it. Stuff. Yeah, I like that sassy stuff. You mentioned that a lot of your businesses failed. I want you to tell me what's no, your... A lot of, not a lot of my businesses failed, but every idea that I had was not a good idea. That's what I mean. So what's your favorite failure story? Take your time. I'll drink some tea. I would say one of my favorite failure stories is when I tried to be something that I was not. I would have started Boik, which was the clothing line when I was at university. And then when I graduated from university, I thought that the right thing to do would be to get a proper job and to work for the man. 
you know, be responsible. And I got a really good job in the oil trading industry. And I worked there for like over a year. But Kevin, the thing is, I applied for two jobs. So I applied for a trader trading oil and I applied for contracts coordinator, which was like drafting the contracts. Right. It's only a legal background. Yeah. So they flew in persons from all over the Caribbean for the trade, the trader job. And I really wanted that job because I thought it would have been really interesting trading and, you know, liaising with persons all over the world. And they gave nobody the job for the trader position. But then they said to me that I did so well in the trader interview that the contracts job they were going to offer me. And it was drafting contracts for the oil industry. So you applied for one job that you're excited about and they just say, hey, take this other I, I think job. I applied, I had a, did I apply for both? And they applied for the, the contracts one as kind of like a backup just in case I didn't get the, because I just wanted to get my foot in the door to be honest. So what I visualized was that I would be kind of negotiating the contracts. I would have been negotiating on price and negotiate and looking at case by case basis. I had this idea of what it would have been, but then what it was, it was basically filling out templates and emailing them off to parties. There wasn't any negotiation really. And then if you found a discrepancy, it was very cookie cutter and that's not what I thought it was. So it became very monotonous and I get bored very, very easily. So then I got very bored. My mind was not being challenged. I'm not blaming the workplace. I blame me because I put myself in that position, right? So then after a while, I just got really, really, you know, you're going to work every day, you're doing the same boring-ish all the time. And... I had to make a decision because I felt like if my life was not going anywhere and although I was making good money for my age, I just couldn't. How old were you at the time? 23? Uh, 22, 23, around there. Okay. And I just could not recognize myself and I knew that that's not what I wanted. I wanted to be out doing something dynamic, changing, changing the world, <laughs> changing my community, making a real impact. And that was not doing it for me. So... I resigned and I took a leap of faith on myself and it was not easy. Kevin, it was not easy. Coincidentally, when I resigned, I was in a business venture that made the same way I resigned. I was in a business venture that made like a huge loss and all of the money that I saved that I would have used to start like little businesses. That's not the clothing line you talk. No, no, no. Um, all of the all, like all the money that I saved because I saved when I was working because I knew I could not be there. So that when I left, my plan was to do things and survive off of this money. All of the money that I saved, I had to put into the business that I lost all that cash. Okay. So it was rough, and I would always say to myself, "Listen, one of these days you can look back on this." And you're going to be a better person for it. And I, I could look back today and I could be like, listen, those three years were rough. Like, Kevin, I was taking, I was a social media manager before the whole, the term was even coined. Like, I was a social, I took a job as a, as a part time kind of on a stipend social media manager for, um, for the Barbados Chamber of Commerce. Even before like social media was even taken seriously, I was doing all kinds of things. And for me, 
as I sit here now, all of those things have made me a better person. So to me, that was that's my favorite failure story because I tried to be something I wasn't and I failed at it mm-hmm. and I failed forward into being who I am today. You started by talking about the clothing line, but that clothing line was featured in yeah, like that clothing magazines. Line, the clothing line was successful. The sad thing is that at that point in time, so now I look at persons that have clothing lines like in our age group, like right. um, Rion, Marie Collette, Sugar Apple Swim, and I am so happy to see that people are actually making a living off of it and doing well and branding themselves is is really awesome to see but when i came out i mean this is 13 years ago you know the only kind of social media you had was high five facebook was now starting people used to like i mean business people that would be my parents acquaintances would say things to me like why you don't go and find something real to do? I would never forget this lady told me that she's a she's she's a very respectable business person in Barbados. And when she said that to me, it, it was it was daunting. And then you didn't have these structures that you have now. So now you have like factories that can mass produce your your clothing, mass produce your swimwear, your evening wear or whatnot. I didn't have that set up in my day. You know, I used to have to go to seamstresses that I knew because my parents had a dance group. So seamstresses that I knew that were making costumes. So it was tough, but I think it definitely made me a better person, I think. Okay. So what's your support system like? I have a good foundation and a good relationship, I think, firstly with God. I have a good relationship with my family. I have good friends in my life. I don't keep people that are negative in my life or negative towards me in my life. I don't keep people that I don't trust in my life. I don't keep people that are not good people in my life. Um, a good thing is that I am a, I was an only child up until 21. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm going to say it. I don't really miss people. So as a result of that, from the time I realized, okay, the chapter of this friendship has come to an end. Peace be with you. Go with God. And you're going? Out the door. Bye. I don't want to say that I'm heartless because I'm not. But once I see this is not, mm-mm, this in, this in it, or this is not, this is not somebody that this friendship has come to an end. I'm very comfortable walking away because I was an only child for a long time. And only children know you got to play with yourself. You have to. You know, you got your little toys there, but the toys don't talk to you. So you have to make your own entertainment. You have to be comfortable in your own presence and in your own company. So I love, I love being surrounded by people. I love people. I love my family. I love my friends. But when it comes to knowing if somebody or if energy is good for your space, I'm very clear on that. And I'm very clear on ending whatever that negativity or that negative energy is. Okay, so being an only child until you're an, essentially an adult, would you say that kind of contributes to the fact that you you know you get bored easily? Because I mean, another thing you, you say you don't like the term serial entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. right? But a commonality in all quote unquote serial entrepreneurs or people with many projects or people start projects all the time mm-hmm. is that they get bored easily, and that's why they keep starting new things. They always get new ideas. So. Mm-hmm. Once they start a business and once they see it is up and running and it can run itself on its own, boom, new project. Probably. I never thought of it like that. But probably. I do get, I do get, I do get bored. I do get bored. (laughs) 
I get bored with things that I'm not interested in. And that's why I don't do things that I'm not interested in. So there are many things that people would call me and say, oh, I think this, I'm doing this. Would you be interested in this? Or I'm doing that. And I think you'd be the perfect person. And I'm. Uh, you have to be very clear, Kevin, on what you want from life. So if you're telling me something and I'm like, no, this is not something that I'm going to like, I have enough respect for the person and I have enough respect for myself to say, Nah, you're not interested or I'm thrilled and I'm flattered that you think that I would be good at this, but I don't think I'll be good at it because I know deep down inside I'm I'm not going to bring 100% to it because I'm not interested in it. So these days, especially because I work for myself, I don't do things that I'm not interested in. I don't do things that I know are not going to stimulate me and I don't do things that I know will bore me. So it's really about staying structured and disciplined really. Yeah. And managing your time yeah. and focusing on stuff that you could focusing on the important things okay so working smart clothing lines shoe lines tv shows consultant to advisory boards mm-hmm. vice president of children charity and everything mm-hmm. so how would let's say somebody else wants to be able to juggle all these other these other balls right in their hand how that's not weird <laughs> <laughs> I try to stay serious. That's all the way. It's fine. It's fine. You know, people don't have dirty minds. <laughs> How would somebody be able to replicate what you have done? What you've been able to do for yourself? Be able to create your own financial independence and everything. Um. First of all, I'm not rich. So I don't want to give that impression. You say financial independence. No, well, financial independence still, is not okay, being rich enough. Okay, train. Right. No, but, but it's, um, it's but like I, I get peace you, of I mind, get you, I get you. freedom to do what you want to do. Yeah. I think it's it comes down to... It's one o'clock in the afternoon and you're just, hey, I think I think it, it comes down to knowing what you want from life. Like, if you and why you want it. So if you are one of those people that look at people on Instagram and say, oh, I want that life and I want to be able to to do that because this person's doing it wrong, right? That's the first thing. If you know you're a creative person and you want to be able to do different things, they must align. So I do a lot of different things, but everything aligns. Everything works like a, like the wheels, you know, everything right. ties in with one another. There isn't... It's a machine as it's, well. It's a machine. Mm. That's what it is. So I, I think... If you're focused enough and if you know what you want and if you're genuine with it and if you're passionate, you could do a hundred things. You could do a hundred things. Just make sure that you get the right people in your circle, get the right mentors. If you have to get an assistant, get a good assistant that can assist you, team members, committee members, whatever it is. But it just comes down to passion and focus and being genuine with it. Who's your mentor? Being authentic. Who's my mentor? Mm, I've had, I would say, there are a group of people that I bounce things off of and they don't refer to themselves as my mentors and I don't refer to myself as, me- as, as I don't refer to them as my mentors. And then you, there are people that you, that I don't know that, that to me have mentored me. So I watch a lot of interviews, biographies, features on entrepreneurs that, you know, you see from far you might admire. And Craven Parlance too. Of course. <laughs> of course. I thought I just I just liked your um your last post. So I, I like I like to be able to to draw inspiration from people and you'll be you'll be surprised how much you learn from reading other people's stories. You know? So that's true. 
So I can't say, okay, well, this person is my mentor and this person is. Once you surround yourself with positive energy all the time, the spirit of mentorship will always be there. Yeah, that's true. That is true. So Tony, right now I'm going to give you open forum, open mm-hmm. mic, open platform. Okay. You say anything you want to say that you want to leave us with before we wrap up this. Be true to yourself. That encapsulates everything. A lot of people are watching this or sitting down at home thinking, I always want to do this. Why are you not doing it? And most times when you when somebody says, I've always wanted to do something and if they haven't done it, the real problem is 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 the person. Yeah. You know? Why haven't you started to do your own crocheting placemats after you said you always wanted to do it? Nobody's stopping you from doing it. So I think people need to be true to themselves and just go after their dreams. I know it sounds cliche, but that is what I would definitely leave people with, for sure. One foot in front of the other. Yep, one foot. One foot. All right, there you have it. Podcast World. Subscribe to Caribbean Power Lunch at CaribbeanPowerLunch.com slash subscribe. Check us out on CastBox, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Tony. Thank you, Kevin, for flying all the way from Trinidad to come here to interview us. Yeah, just you. Yeah, I, I, Well, not only me. I know, <laughs> I know you come for other people too, but thank you. No problem. Always a pleasure. Podcast World, Barbados, we are out. Out.